Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. During this season of Epiphany, we heard wonderful sermons based on the book of the prophet Isaiah. We heard the prophet speak many times about a servant who is to come, the Messiah. I think Corey referred to him as a servant with a capital S, meaning an individual person, a human being, on whom God's spirit rests, who will bring forth justice and righteousness to all who will receive him. Today in our gospel lesson, we are told about this long-awaited servant with a capital S, this man named Jesus, being led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You might already be thinking, how do we know this Jesus is the same person Isaiah referenced? One way we know is we are told by Matthew at the end of the previous chapter about Jesus' baptism. Jesus tells John that he will be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. So his mission is announced. A second way we know is when Jesus was baptized, he went up from the water and behold, the heavens opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Matthew tells us in the gospel account we heard this morning that directly after Jesus' baptism, he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Actually, this morning we have heard two temptation accounts. Our Old Testament lesson was about the temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden with a snake enticing them to disobey God. And the gospel lesson is about God's son being tempted by the devil. Is there a correlation here? Are these two events connected? Why should this servant on whom God's spirit rests, God's beloved son, be tempted by the devil? Tom Wright, in his commentary on the temptation of Christ, says the gospel writer is reminding us of Jesus' membership in the family of Adam. If there is any doubt about Jesus being human, it is clarified for us in the temptation accounts. If Jesus is the descendant of Adam, he must now face not only what Adam faced, but must face the powers that had been unleashed through human rebellion and sin. Long years of habitual rebellion against the Creator God had brought about a situation in which the world, the flesh, and the devil had become used to twisting human beings into whatever shape they wanted. In the two temptation accounts today, we are looking at two Adams. The first Adam we meet in Genesis with his helpmate Eve. All the animals and birds God created were brought to Adam and Eve to see what name Adam would give them. Can you imagine? Probably said, that long-necked creature over there, we're naming him Giraffe. And that bird over there pecking on that tree, we're going to call him a woodpecker. They would have a loving relationship with God and each day walk with him through the garden. Can you imagine how wonderful that must have been? I imagine God took great delight in hearing the names of the animals and the birds and into the, in walking with Adam and Eve and being in fellowship with them. 
serpent into the garden crossed the snake. And the first Adam chose to defy God's authority and to reject God's command to avoid the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had warned Adam if he ate of the tree, he would surely die. Because of Adam's choice, both physical and spiritual death descended on all people. God regards Adam's choice to be ours. Hold on a minute, you might say. That doesn't seem fair that one man's disobedience carries over to all. How can we be held responsible for something we had no part in? We weren't there. Keep in mind, God is not some passive observer. He created Adam and us. He is omniscient and understands everything about us. And he knew that how Adam acted would be how each of us would react in that same situation. While reading and thinking about how one man's sin spread to all people, I suddenly remembered how much I disliked being told no, I could not do something when I was a child. Actually, truth be known, I still don't like being told. But my immediate rebellion when I hear no was that of a three-year-old child questioning, why? Why? Many times my mother's reply was because I said so. Isn't that how it was in the garden? God said Adam and Eve could eat from any tree in the garden, but not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God is so good, he even expounded on the because I said so answer with the explanation that they would die if they disobeyed. Now notice the first question the tempter asked, did God say? And then comes the lie. The snake implies that God doesn't really mean what he says and tells them, you will not die, and thus the temptation which caused the fall of humankind. They ate, and the effects of that choice were devastating. Because of this choice, death and sin passed to all humankind. That means every disease, every natural disaster, every painful struggle with cancer, every divorce, every war, every case of abuse. Hell itself goes back to this choice. Before we get too depressed here by thinking about all the evil that's in the world, let's move along to the temptation of Jesus because Jesus is the second Adam whose mission is to bring redemption from sin. When we look at Christ, we are looking at the new Adam or the last Adam God made the first Adam co-ruler over creation, and that Adam wanted to be the sole ruler, placing God under his feet. The new Adam is the co-ruler with the creator. Jesus was there when everything was created. He must deal with the enemy and place this evil ushered in through the first Adam under his feet. In Hebrews, one early Christian writer tells us Jesus was tempted like other humans, and in every possible way. Let's look now at the temptations of Jesus. Please note that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days. This is a pretty dire contrast to Adam and Eve's surroundings and circumstances when they were tempted. 
They were in a lush garden filled with fruit trees providing plenteous food and could eat of any of the trees they wanted except that one. Jesus is in the wilderness, and after not eating for 40 days, he is very hungry. But there is no food anywhere in this deserted place. Tom Wright says the first two temptations in the wilderness play on the very strength Jesus received at his baptism. You are my son, God said. Very well, whispers the demonic force. If you really are God's son, surely he can't want you to go hungry when you have the power to get food for yourself. Surely you want people to see who you are. Why not do something really spectacular? And then, dropping the logic, the enemy goes out boldly. Forget your heavenly father. Just worship me and I will give you power. Greatness like no one else ever had. Jesus sees through the trap. He answers each time with the word of God. Jesus is committed to living off God's word, trusting God completely without setting up trick tests to put God on the spot. He is committed to loving and serving God and God alone. The flesh may scream for satisfaction The world may beckon seductively. The devil himself may offer undreamed of power. But Israel's loving God, the one Jesus knew as Father, offered the reality of what it meant to be human, to be a true Israelite, to be Messiah. Jesus kept his eyes on his Father, launching a mission to undo the effects of human rebellion. He would meet the tempter again in various guises, protesting to him through his closest associate, remember Peter, that he should change his mind about going to the cross, mocking him through the priest and bystanders as he hung on the cross, mocking him with the words, if you are God's son. When Jesus refused to go the way of the tempter, he was embracing the way of the cross. Adam and Jesus are alike in that their action has implications for the whole human race, but they are also different. The motivation behind what they did was very different. The first Adam disobeyed God and selfishly ate from a forbidden tree, bringing a curse on the earth. The second Adam obeyed God and sacrificially climbed up on a tree to take the curse unto himself. The first Adam brought death upon the whole human race. The second Adam restored life to all who would receive it. So what about us? What does all of this for us today mean for us today? Paul says in the fifth chapter of Romans, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Key phrase in that passage is those who receive. Jesus has made all things new, but we must receive the gift. Will we receive the righteousness freely given to us by Jesus Christ? Do we actually believe that Jesus is who God says he is 
and that Jesus has imputed his righteousness to us. You know at our baptism, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Today is the first Sunday in Lent. Have those same voices that whispered temptation to Jesus already been working on you concerning that chocolate you promised to give up? Or is he saying what he said to Adam? Did God say? You don't really believe what the word of God says, do you? You know you can cut and paste that stuff, put it in different places. The temptations we face day by day, the temptations we all face day by day and at critical moments in our lives are meant to distract us, to get us to turn aside from servanthood, which our baptism has commissioned us for. The enemy will create all kinds of scenarios to keep us off the path God created for us. One of the devil's tricks is to make you think you are insignificant to the family of God, too old to have a to be on the path God wants you on. Or sometimes he will make you think you're too young, if you're a young person. What if God wants you to pick up the phone and just call someone who hasn't seen you haven't seen for a while and let them know you're thinking about them? Haven't seen you at church lately, really miss you, or haven't seen you at our local restaurant where you usually come. Miss seeing you. People like to be cared for. Jesus used God's word, fasting and prayer, to defeat the schemes of the devil. Let us make this a holy Lent and a holy life by following our Savior's example. Let us pray. O Lord our God, Grant us grace to desire you with our whole heart, that desiring you we may seek you, and seeking you we may find you, and finding you we may love you, and that loving you we may hate those sins from which you have delivered us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.